Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. At ViStar, we believe in better. Better convenience. So members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome into another Duly Noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on, and we are excited to be alive more than anything after the Saturday that we had, Robbie and myself. And Chris Doring was involved too, which is all you need to know. We went to a wedding and uh, got a little crazy. A little crazy. You, you've seen the movie The Hangover. That's what it's like. It was like. Like the next day, we're like, who paid the bill? Who, who, what? Who fell asleep at the bar? No. So anyway, we're, we're we never we never left the hotel. So that was a good thing. But um, congratulations to Robbie's brother Tim. In fact, so I'll make sure I said that. Okay. So you know, usually we start out with football because we know it's a football oriented uh, crowd here. But I think basketball has got to be the top story today and we will get to a lot of football i got a lot of football jotted down here Uh, but let's start out because wednesday is senior day for the basketball team three seniors uh and uh obviously jaylon hudson Kavarius hayes and Kayvon allen um and it's it is such a mixed legacy, almost a complicated legacy for those three guys. I was thinking about this the other day, the best senior days ever. And to me, the number one best senior day, uh, because I, obviously the best team ever really didn't have senior day because only Lee Humphrey went through it. And then obviously the other kids were juniors when they left. So I wouldn't put that there. But the best one to me was the 2014 when Florida had four seniors starting and they got they won 30 straight games. One of the great miracles in college basketball, how that team did that. Um, a team that got it, a team that understood, a team that was competitive every night. You see, I, you'll probably see where I'm going a little bit here. But to, to win, I think they beat Kentucky that night, I believe. And to win that game might have been a day game win that game and the way they treated it and making sure they all walked off the floor at the exact same time. I, there's a great picture of that, and actually we got it uh, blown up and signed by all of them, put it in our golf tournament, and it went for a lot of money. I wish I, I, wish I had that picture because I love those guys. Patrick Young and I are still uh, pretty good friends and, and uh, love Scotty Wilbekin and, and all those guys. Uh, that to me was the number one senior day. Now I don't, I wasn't there for every senior day. I don't know what it was like for Vernon Delancey or Ronnie Williams and that crew. 
who came in together. I don't, I'm not sure what it was like for some other guys, but that to me was the best one I saw. And the second best one, in my opinion, would have been Udonis Haslam because Udonis Haslam meant so much to that program for four years and they were playing Tennessee. And I remember late in the game, it's it's a competitive game as they always were, and they're battling with Tennessee, and all of a sudden Haslam breaks free for a two-handed monster dunk to kind of cap the game off. It was perfect. Perfect way to end it. And then number three would be last year with Chris Chioza, who had become a legend in, in, in many ways, and then Igor, who had become a favorite. Um. You know, people just loved Igor. They loved everything about him. They loved Chris Chioza, and it was a huge... And I remember Mike White saying he was concerned that they wouldn't play well because they would. it was such an emotional day. Okay, so that was third. This one, it's, it's weird. It's a weird one when you think about it. Um, it's almost like you, you would love to believe that because it's senior day... This team's going to go out and play with an incredible urgency, and they're going to play their hearts out. They're playing a really good team in LSU, so they're going to have to play really well. But they might not, because we know they got a lot of might not in them. You never know what this team's going to show up with. But their legacies are really, I don't don't know if complicated is the right word, but they're mixed. For example, let's just go one by one. When you take Kayvon Allen, look at the numbers, look at the scoring. I always felt like Kayvon Allen should have been an 18-point-a-game guy his whole career. And he was always about an 11, 12-point game guy, pretty much. This is a guy who had to be begged to take shots for a lot of his career. And I hear he finally got to a point where he, I don't want to say alpha male because he doesn't say poop, right? But he got to a point where he was kind of t- trying to take over games, especially uh, as we know that that game um, at LSU overtime game. Um, and then in the, in this game against Georgia, he goes what one for nine, one for ten. Okay, you're going to miss shots. That happens. But I don't think anybody thinks of Kayvon Allen and thinks that's one of the great Gators ever. No, not really. I don't think anybody feels like they know him. I think people felt frustrated by him in his career. And yet, you'll never forget 35 against Wisconsin. You'll never forget the three-quarter shot against Auburn. You'll never forget the shot he made against A&M to center it to overtime. There's, there's, that's what I mean by mix. There's so many highs and so many lows. It's almost like he never had a normal game. It was either great or terrible. And that's why it's, it's a bit of a mixed legacy. Um, I was thinking about this. If you, I I did this story, I want to say three years ago, the top 100 Gator basketball players ever, because it was 100 years of Florida basketball. Now they're they're celebrating it now because they had to wait for the arena to get fixed or redone. Um, And they they technically are saying that, well, this is the 100th season because they missed a couple for the war. But to me, it was 100 years. So anyway, as I did that, if I was doing that again, where would I put Kayvon Allen? I don't think he's a top 20 guy. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure he's top 30. That's what I'm talking about, the mixed legacy. Here's a guy, a four-year player, 
who was part of some of some special nights, special teams. I don't think I'd put him in the top 30. And I'm going to tell you where I put the other two after we take a short break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Okay, um... No guests today, by the way. We uh, I had a couple ideas in mind, but I, I, I got a lot of things to say, and I um, just don't want to continue to bug people to come on the, the podcast when there's not anything relevant to talk about. Like, I was going to get a, an NFL guy, but I was like, ah, they're, they're fl- all flying back from Indianapolis. I'm not going to bother. So anyway, here we go. Let's go to the other two players, the other two seniors. Jalen Hudson. Talk about a mixed legacy. Sometimes really good. Sometimes you were loving him. Sometimes you were cursing him. Sometimes, and here's the thing, a guy, a guard, a wing player who can't shoot free throws consistently. You know, he got fouled many times on three-point shots. And when he would go to the line, I literally would sit there and go, if he can just make two. You never said he's going to make all three. He's going to knock these down. No. And and usually when he went to the free throw line, you were like, I don't. Th- he's not going to make them both. Hopefully, he makes one of them. And that that to me is part of the mentally weak problem that this team has this year, is that those are your seniors. But I digress. I'll get to that mentally weak part in just a minute. Um, but Jalen Hudson, I don't know that he would be in the top 50 players in Florida history. That's what I'm talking about, mixed legacy. I mean, he was part of some special things, but not overall. Overall, he's a guy that basically played two-thirds, not maybe not quite two-thirds of this season in a funk. Maybe get to Kavarius Hayes. Would Kavarius Hayes be in the top 75 Gators of all time? Probably not. And yet, nobody played harder. Nobody nobody gave more over his four years than he did. I mean, and I count Joe Kim knowing that. Now, didn't always play. Look, skill level-wise, not very talented. No hands. Could Really not a great jumper for a guy that blocked as many shots as he did. And yet, he is second all-time at Florida in the number of block shots. And there are times when you just love the guy. You just want to 
grab him and hold him because he's the only guy, big guy in there trying to battle all these guys and and fought. I I I have nothing but respect for Cavarius Hayes and what he did at Florida, and yet it's still a mixed legacy because he wasn't that good. So it's a weird dynamic here on senior night. And it's, here come the three guys, and you're like, hey, not going to miss him that much, you know? And I know that's cruel. I know that, that, that you could say that that's mean, but it's the truth. And you, nobody is going to sit there when, I think, when Jalen Hudson plays his last game and say, man, I don't know what we're going to do without him next year. Or even Kayvon. I almost, it's almost like it's kind of, I'm kind of glad Kayvon's leaving because now I'd, you know, I'd have to worry whether he's going to show up or not. And, of course, I am being very negative. And the reason I'm being very negative is because of the Georgia game. Now, I'm gonna, I've got to be brutally honest here. I didn't watch the game. Things were happening. <laughs> That's all I can say. I literally woke up at 4.30 in the morning on Saturday night and said, oh, crap, I don't even know what happened in the Gator game. That never happens to me. That may be the first time that's happened to me in 30 years where I didn't know the score of the uh, Florida basketball game going to bed. It just was was that kind of night. But when I read Chris Harry's story, I went online and read Chris Harry's story, and I went, oh, man. And then reading some of the quotes and talking to some people that were at the game and talking to people just – really bitter it uh became obvious that this was just typical because here they are they're on a five game winning streak they're in the tournament now they just got to knock off georgia even if they lose to lsu and kentucky they're going to still be in because of their uh net ranking is so high and then you lose to a team with three conference wins now all you had to do was watch georgia play two games and you knew they weren't that bad. They just couldn't finish games. They couldn't pull them out. Not quite enough talent. Kind of like what Florida was early in the SEC schedule. They just couldn't get over the hump. But they weren't that bad a team. And they're well coached. Tom Crean's a very good coach. And if you thought just because of their record and because you were at home, it was going to be a cakewalk, you were wrong. And you almost... I'm sure you, if you watched it or you were there, you, I, I can tell you what happened. I didn't have to go. Guess what? Got off to a bad start. Rallied, got the crowd behind them. Good start the second half. Crowds into it. Then just totally thought they had it and, and didn't play very well. That's what I, I, I don't even know. I haven't even looked at box scores or anything. I don't have to. I, I know this team pretty well. This team all season has lacked a consistent competitive spirit. And a competitive spirit is what you have to have to win games like the one Saturday. Because Saturday night was a trap game. It was a every cliche you want to put on it. It was a game you needed, and you better play at a very high level to win this game. But instead, it was almost like, ah, finally we can take a breather. You know, even going to Vandy with no wins, you really didn't want to be the one team that lost to them. It was on the road. It's a tough place to play. They bought in that night. They didn't buy in this night. Now, a lot of people could tell you this. Look, it's just one of those nights. Shots didn't go. Guy had a ridiculous Nicholas Claxton play ridiculously well. 
Uh, I can only go by what I saw. He scored a career-high 25 points. You can say it. That happens to everybody. You have a bad night, blah, blah, blah. Shots just didn't drop. But you have to understand as a team that you're playing to try to get in the NCAA tournament. George is try- playing to try to beat you because this can make their season. Not make it great, but they can always say, yeah, remember we be- went down and beat Florida and Gainesville? <laughs> exact Tech Arena, House of Horrors. We went down there and beat them. So you have to understand that every day. This is what I've, I've always talked about with baseball. All the state teams who come in here or they go to, it's the biggest game of the year in the regular season for those teams. And I'm not saying for FSU, although it's close, and even for Miami, but UCF, USF, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, who they have t- tonight, teams like that, this is the biggest game. This is a huge deal. They're not playing the Gators who, you know, uh, who look, the current Gators? That's what I'm trying to say. They're not playing this team with a bunch of freshmen in there. They're playing the teams that won the national championship. When you when you play against Florida and your basketball team, you're playing against the team that won back to back national championships. Doesn't matter that this team had nothing to do with it. Not even the same coach. You've got to understand that, and that is where I get to the mentally weak part. And this is the part that drives me the most crazy about this basketball team. Is they just sometimes don't seem it doesn't seem to be that important to them now you you would think there'd be a huge sense of urgency Wednesday night last game and 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 this is you know if they win this game they've wiped out the Georgia loss you got a chance to rectify the egg the stinky smelly egg rotten egg rotten egg in a full diaper left out in the sun and curdled milk poured on it. That's what that game was. You got a chance to throw that right out. You beat LSU, you sweep LSU, you're in the tournament, man. I'm telling you, you're in. And and some people have asked me, does it matter? Does it really matter? Do you think a team that can't sustain, can't, can't enjoy prosperity, can't sustain great efforts every night because look this doesn't this isn't just about losing to georgia this is about being down 12 to missouri this is about um this is about a lot of other games that they play where they just look how how badly they played against vanderbilt at home and mike white like i said in my column had the best quote of the year he said some teams are casual at home this is one of them that's mental weakness and that's got to be the hard that makes it. But I, I ask again, does it matter? This team isn't going to do it for six games. And nobody thinks this team, get in the tournament and win. Well, it matters because you want to get in the tournament. You want to be in the tournament. You want the excitement of the tournament. You want to get your young guys the experience of the tournament. Even if it's one and done, maybe you get one, you get to two and done. That's fine. You're playing Duke in the round of 32 and let's just say Columbia, South Carolina, which some people haven't penciled in for. And it's a big deal. And you need to go through that. The older guys don't need to go through it. They've all been through it and everything. And it hasn't helped them in a lot of ways in terms of that. Now, the bubble is an interesting thing right now 
And it's funny because the bubble appears to be so soft, and that's one reason. If you look, Joe Lenardi still has Florida in as a nine seed, even after that loss. In fact, I know it's not going to happen the way he's got it set up. Because for Florida, I don't care if they're playing uh, Virginia or Duke or whoever in the second round. They'd have to get past the first round. The first round team's going to be as good as them, and who knows whether they decide to show up, right? But if it's in, if it's uh, if they're in Columbia, South Carolina, and I can drive there, so I don't have to worry about planes and everything like that, and then when do I fly back? I'll be a happy boy. I can tell you that. So, uh, but it's that's that shows you how soft the bubble is. That this team at seventeen and twelve is comfortably in right now, according to Lenardi. Jerry Palm has them in as an 11, not even in the playing game. Um, I think the 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 bracket uh, matrix, which has everybody, you got to you. I don't take it too seriously because when you get 40 uh, brackets, 40 bracketologists, uh, there's going to be some skewed ones. Okay. Look, I think if the turn if they if they made the selections right now, Florida would sneak in. I think they'd be more like a 10. Maybe even eleven. I don't. I don't disagree with Jerry Palm on that, but they're going to lose to Kentucky on uh, Saturday. We know that Kentucky's not losing on their senior day in in Lexington. It's just not going to happen. You need to win this game tonight because if you lose to both these games, then you go to the SEC tournament. Um, you could probably still sneak in with a win, but if you lose that game, now hello NIT, you know, so. But here's how. Here's the thing about the bubble. The bubble that everybody talks about, whether it's soft or or, or a strong bubble or whatever, they have no idea because it doesn't matter what the bubble looks like right now. It's what it looks like after the conference tournaments. For example, you have teams like Wofford, Buffalo, Murray State, uh, Washington in the Pac-12 that are getting in the tournament. They need to win their tournaments to help make the bubble softer. There are other teams, but let, for example, Texas is sixteen and fourteen. Joe Lenardi has them in as a nine seed. Alabama seventeen and twelve. Florida beat them on the road. They they have shown me nothing this year. They're an eleven seed, according to Lenardi. You got Ohio State at eighteen and thirteen, eight and twelve in their conference. Yeah, most people think they're going to sneak in. Seton Hall sixteen and twelve. Oklahoma six and six and ten in their conference. All these teams are considered bubble teams, so the bubble is soft now. But is it going to be soft when it really matters? That's the big question. So, look, we'll see what happens Wednesday night. If they win this game, everybody can relax. You know, there's going to be they're going to go somewhere. Whether I'll be going with them will probably depends on where they're going. I don't think we're going to Salt Lake City, for example. Um, in fact, we're still we're still trying to decide about the SEC tournament, depending on what happens. And here's the other thing: um, if they play at ten o'clock, I mean, I don't think I don't, it could be a one and done. I don't know if there's it's worth the money for us to go up there. So anyway, these are internal things you don't need to worry about. Um, all right, let's talk a little football. I don't know. Should we take a break? Nah, yeah, let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. 
At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, I promise you some football talk, and here it is. Um, a lot to talk about, to be honest with you. Number one is this whole thing with the Florida-Miami game possibly moving up. By the time you listen to this, it may have, the decision may have come down um, to the 24th. That moves practice up, obviously. It will be like SEC media days will feel like it was already going to be closer to the season than usual because – it's a calendar thing. August thirty first, first game. Now, if it's August twenty fourth, that you know they're going to start practice. What? It may be in late July if that does happen. And I'm excited for it. I think it's great. I don't know that I'll survive three bye weeks. I really don't because bye weeks are my day, my Saturdays to really sit back and enjoy it. Sometimes I go to my dad's and hang out with him. Sometimes I, I just go to a kind of bar hop a little bit and go to places. Sometimes we just watch it at home, get a bunch of TVs up. Um, but it's pretty much uh, decadent. Usually get the chili out, the $50 chili. So I don't know if I can survive that, but uh, they're gonna have, they, if this does happen, they'll have three bye weeks this, this year because of the way it's set up. And I'm not sure... You know, everybody's asked me, what do you think? What do you, how will this affect the season? The biggest concern to me, if I'm Dan Mullen, is how it will affect the continuity of a season. All right, now you've got three weeks off. In fact, you're going to play your first game against a rival opponent, and you're not going to play for a week. You're going to basically have a bye week you don't need. You know, everybody says you get better from your first or second game. You can get better to your second game if you have a bye week in between. That's not going to happen. So it'll be an interesting season in that regard if this does happen. I, I mentioned in my column about how um, I'm curious to see whether this does set a precedent towards moving. I, I've been a, I've been saying this for two years. Because of the rash of hurricanes we've had, and I don't think it's going to get any better, that – they needed to start the season a week earlier to give more flexibility. And also, since you're trying to say, oh, we're all about the players, we're safety, then give them two bye weeks. I mean, um, these aren't professionals. You can't, and you can't, you know, go sign somebody because you got two players in the same position hurt. You can't go out and get somebody a free agent or anything. You got to go with what you got. So I believe they should, but I don't know if this is going to set any kind of precedent. Um, hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. I, I believe strongly they should do that. Uh, the interesting other thing, interesting thing is spring practice starts Tuesday. Can you believe it? How fast it's it's come. Uh, it is open to the public too. Um, a bunch of them are open to the public, open to the media. I mean, they're not running game plans. I don't know why everybody's spring practice isn't open. Uh, because basically all you're doing is installing and uh, putting in your base – offense you might run a trick play every once in a while just for the fun of it 
just to keep guys interested and make sure they're paying attention. Uh, the most interesting thing to me with Florida is they don't have to install it too as much as they did before. Basically, last spring, you're installing the entire thing for everybody for the first time. Nobody's ever seen it. They don't know what's going on. Now, this year, everybody pretty much knows what's going on other than the true freshmen and the, the early enrollees. But it, it's going to be a lot smoother, you would think. You do have two new coaches, so – but um, I'm interested in going out there. One thing I'm really interested in, last year from the – again, there was no bowl game, but from the end of the season to the spring practice, we, I, you know, we literally were like, holy crap, these guys look totally different. You know, their, their bodies had changed, and I'm curious whether maybe they've even changed again. I don't know if they've had as much time, but they've gone to another uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Here's a philosophical question for you, as long as we're talking football. Can it really be called spring practice when only one team actually starts in the spring? Roll that around in your head a little bit. Tennessee is the only team that's actually starting after the first day of spring. They start on March 24th. They're the last one to start. I mean, Vandy's almost done with theirs. How is that spring practice? <laughs> it's not. They're started February 16th. Ole Miss has started. Um, I think March and March. Uh, I think Texas A&M started too, right? Kentucky and LSU start this week. I think it's tomorrow. So it's not really spring practice. It's winter practice with some spring there at the end. Um, one last thing on college football, okay? People are getting their all bent out of shape over this Carson Beck going to Georgia. Look, he may be a great quarterback. I, I understand everybody wanted him. My daughter even was saying she was hoping he would come. But the bottom line is he's not a fit for the Dan Mullen offense. Now, if it costs them Anthony Richardson because they went after him, I'm always leery of a guy who says, oh, I got to compete with somebody? Forget it. Oh, you're showing somebody else some love? Forget it. But that happens in recruiting. It happens all the time. Carson Beck's a drop-back passer. That's not what Florida needs. That's not what the offense needs. He would have been, and Robbie put it best, he would have been another John Brantley. And I love John Brantley. He was a great I think he, if he went to the right school, he might still be playing. He went to the wrong school. He went to the right school, but the wrong football program for what they wanted him to do. But he was a five-star from Ocala and a legacy. You got to get him. You got to get him. Probably the biggest mistake he made. Now, he may say it's not because he got a good education, blah, blah, blah. And I, that's fine. But I think that's what Carson Beck would have been. And he, he's, you know, Georgia runs more of a pro-style offense. Jim McElwain ran a pro-style offense. You know, the Florida now doesn't. So uh, people getting bent out of shape with that, I I, I just – they're going to be fine, okay? They're going to be fine. Also, uh, Nick Starkle from uh, A&M ends up at Arkansas. I thought – I may have misread this. I thought FSU thought they were going to get him. It feels like they're on plan – nine from outer space now they've gone through every plan possible to get quarterbacks in there but they're not my problem right <laughs> all right so uh looking forward to uh getting out there it is going to be by the way 
next week is going to be stupid how much stuff we have going on in this town. And it happens every year, but it, it's going to be amazing. you got FSU coming in for baseball. You've got um, uh, softball has a game. Lacrosse has two top four teams they're playing at home. You've got Gator Nationals. And if you're not a fan of drag racing, that's fine, but it's going to be 40,000 people in town for that. Um, you've got the SEC basketball tournament, and you've got spring football. And baseball is opening up the SEC play tournament with Mississippi State. Other than that, not much going on around here. That's one reason we're kind of iffy on the SEC tournament. I may have to keep me back here just because there's too many things to cover. Um, All right, we'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL Combine, a little bit about golf, and we'll get to three things. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, so the NFL Combine is like one of my least favorite weeks because it's just – the best part about it is Rich Eisen running and, and the money he donates to charity. In fact, I saw – I didn't watch one second of it. I don't – when, when I, I had to go to the Combine one year, but they don't let you watch it. You have to – you basically watch it on TV like everybody else. But the interview, the access is great. I mean, you get every player for an extended period of time to interview and head coaches – it's an unbelievable treasure trove of quotes for for any sports writer. So that part of it, and that was the year Florida had 10 guys at the one year I went. They had 10 guys at the Combine, including, of course, one Tim Tebow, which is why I went. Um, so, but the Combine itself, it just seems somewhat silly about some of the questions they ask and how people freak out about things. But this one seemed to be a little bit more impactful in that the SEC speed just said, we're taking this combine over. You know, Keaton Williams running a 483 at 303 pounds. That should not be allowed. You wonder why people had a hard time running? Now, a Clemson fan goes, we didn't have a hard time. But you wonder why people think so highly of him. Uh Montez Sweat running a 4 4 1 at 260. This is the SEC, okay? There, every day, they seemed like there was an SEC guy doing some ridiculous thing. The SEC, the reason the SEC is the best conference, and there is no doubt, okay? I'm not being provincial. I'm not being prejudiced. The SEC is the best conference. Clemson was the best team last year. The SEC is the best conference. The reason it is, is speed. Now, unfortunately, one guy who didn't get the memo was Ja'Kai Polite. And I don't know Ja'Kai well enough. We very we didn't interview him that often. We got him at the Peach Bowl, and he was good. He seems like a good guy. I, you know, I think every Gator fan out there loves him. But apparently he's got the management group that's got on him. Not Didn't get him ready. You got to get ready. I, I think – and there are players. This is not the first guy it's happened to. You play in the bowl game, and you're you know you've been through so much, and you're now you're going to come out and you're going to go pro. All right, I can relax till the combine. No, 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 no. That's when you work hardest. In fact, I used to kind of get ticked off at athletes, football players at at this school and other schools, who would say they'd never worked so hard in their life as they had between the end of their season and the combine. 
Well, they're they're trying to get a job. That's why they are. They're trying to get a job, and they got to be in the best shape of their lives. Um, so I guess Jakai Polite did the opposite of what everybody else does, and he you could tell he had big love handles. He his weight was way up. It was bad weight. He didn't run well. He did, he got upset with some of the interviewers. Stock go down? Absolutely. Can he get it back up? Absolutely. He's got, I think, a month, right about in a month. I think it's a month till Florida's pro day. Get the weight off. Get some coaching on how to handle questions, which I, apparently nobody did. Um, and uh, be better. And go to work. Go to a place. like the, There are all kinds of these places that will train you for the combine which in a way seems ridiculous because i know i agree how many how many you know how many times has keenan williams got to run 40 yards in his life in the nfl right and so timing him in the 40 but it does matter because that's that shows your ability to train for it it shows your ability more than anything it shows that you are willing to do the work to become an nfl player and that's what Ja'Kai Polite didn't show, and that's disappointing. On the other hand, Chauncey had a great combine. Everybody's raving about him. Some people think he's a first-rounder now. I, I hope he is. I like that guy a lot. Um, uh, so we'll see what happens with the draft. But the draft still I – think, I, I think I'm right about this. The draft is still 50 days away. <laughs> Holy crap. It's like it, – the, the draft is like a four-month project. Now, in the other pro football, Steve Spurs, Orlando Apollos won again, got to 4-0, ran an unbelievably great trick play for a two-point conversion, played it in the snow out in Salt Lake City. Happy for them. Uh, they got a big game against the Birmingham team uh, Saturday. Birmingham 3-1, Orlando 4-0. Rooting like heck for Spurrier. And, it, and it's kept me interested. I, I saw somebody had a tweet that was said, hey, you know what the great thing is? The AAF got us through the doldrums before, you know, Bay Hill, the Masters, started Major League Baseball. I don't feel that at all because I'm a college basketball fan. And, um, you know, there's other things going on that that I'm paying attention to. But it's going to be interesting to see where they go, where the AAF goes from here. But not surprisingly, ball coach, still a pretty good coach. If you look at the scores in this league, they're all pretty low scoring. It's hard for teams to get a whole lot of offense. And I think more than anything, there are not a lot of skill players in this league. I, n- nothing that blows me away, skill player-wise. And I'm not sure why that is. Like, they all can't be in the NFL and they all can't be at the Combine. You would think there's still some guys that can run and catch, but not a lot of it going on there. All right, also... It's an exciting time for me. This is, yeah, this is, I, I've been spending too much time on my recliner, I will admit. And, and it's only going to get worse because now we're into the Florida swing in golf. Now, the Florida swing went away for a while uh, in part because the Players' Championship moved to May and because uh, Doral went away, went to Mexico because you can argue what what, what the reason was. A lot of it was Cadillac pulled out. Donald Trump didn't want to – he was in the middle of a campaign. He didn't want to battle it, just let him go. And uh, so Doral's out, which is a shame because I love that course, played it a couple times. 
But it's still, the Florida swing is so much better now that it's an actual swing where you go Honda, which was actually really interesting to watch, now Bay Hill, then the players, and then Valspar over in Tampa. So much better. And I'm looking forward to all of it. In fact, uh, really excited about the players in March. Now, the one thing about the players in March, anything that you you saw in May, that in in all the Mays, if like you're looking at a, a, to try to predict a winner based on what guys did in May at the players, forget it because it's going to be a totally different course. It's going to be rye, going to be slower, it's going to be greener. Um, the winds may blow differently. It, it, it's going to be go back to the old way where it was. Often very difficult to play, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to Bay Hill. I'll, even with no Tiger, uh, just got the word that um, Tiger will be contributing again to the Bob Dooley Invitational. I'm not sure he's aware that he is, but he will be. Always get a, a item from him. My good friend Glenn Greenspan takes care of us there. Um, I hope he's ready for the players, and I certainly hope he's ready for Augusta. What a letdown that would be, because people are. I, I think. A lot of golf people that are into golf really believe this is his last shot at winning a major. Is this year at Augusta because his game's in pretty good shape. Um, but who knows? I mean, he he still could bounce back and be good. But I just wonder with that neck injury if that almost eliminates him. We'll see. That's a lot of golf talk for this podcast. But you know me, I love to watch golf. All right, last thing. It is time for three things. It's time for three things. All right, three things. Here we go. Number one, uh, Jim Delaney, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, announced his retirement, effective in June, I think it is, of 2020. Um Jim Delaney did a wonderful job. I mean, he got their revenues through the roof. I think he and Mike Slive, the late Mike Slive, uh, really changed the landscape with, with the work they did, both in um, in expansion and in TV uh, contracts. They're really good commissioners. There are some people that are that are going with the agenda of, well, this changes now. We may see an expansion of the playoff. Look, the, the 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 conference ads are still he's still beholding to them to a point, you know. Whoever the new commissioner is, I don't know that it's going to. I don't. Maybe a more flexible guy is going to change that. I think the playoffs for the playoffs to expand. I think it's going to have to happen a little bit organically. It's not going to be kind of forced on us because there's still a lot of commissioners that don't. I mean, there's not really a lot of talk about it except by the fans and the sports writers. About expanding it, I don't. I think it's uh, kind of silly to think that just because Jim Delaney's stepping down, now we're going to go to sixteen teams or something like that, or eight teams. But uh, but you know, whatever whatever gets you fifteen minute buzz on your talk show. Uh, number two on three things, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't congratulate gymnastics on winning another SEC championship. Uh, proud of those young ladies. I know it was a tough blow losing to Georgia, but they ended up winning outright. And um, really good team this year. I, I am fascinated to see how they do 
Not so much in the SEC. I know they they got Penn State Friday. It's your last chance to see them. They're at home. Um, they're really entertaining to watch. And then they have a week off before they go to SECs. They're in New Orleans. Um, you know, to me, the SEC turn SEC meets just an exhibition. Uh, doesn't count towards. I mean, you want to win. You want to do your best. You want to keep momentum going. Then you get to regionals and NCAA. I'm fascinated to see how they do in the NCAA. Also, a shout-out to baseball, even though obviously – look, Winthrop is better than they looked in that second game on Sunday. Uh, But you better be better than 28-5. Three grand slams. Historic. First SEC team to ever hit three grand slams in a game. Um, they fluffed up their batting averages. I don't take them too seriously, but and now they got Yale, they got Florida Gulf Coast, and then Yale. Uh, this is a team that's going to be up and down all year. They are. I I don't feel it's not the same kind of like like you feel with this base basketball team. They've been kind of up and down, and, and and I'm and you're critical of them. I wouldn't get too critical of baseball. Not with the, as many young guys that are playing. I, you can make an argument basketball starting three freshmen, but I, those aren't the guys that I think are weak mentally. I guess that's the difference. I don't think this this baseball team is weak mentally. I think baseball is a weird sport. You win some, you lose some. It's the way it, the game's played. And also, shout out to softball. And I would highly recommend uh, – I have not been to the new stadium yet. I'm going this weekend. I'm going to cover all three games, Florida versus Tennessee. Excited about it. Um, excited about seeing the yard. I haven't seen the yard yet. But it's the start of SEC play for them. So a lot of stuff going on here. As I mentioned, next week's just ridiculous. Um, finally, number three, March Madness has begun. Because we're started, we've already started. Heck, the A Sun started on Monday. So, conference tournaments. Now, the problem with the conference tournaments is because there are still the contracts with all the the major conferences. Is that most of these these you know mid major conference tournaments you don't get to see till the semifinals or finals. Sometimes the finals because they're like on ESPN Plus, and I'm sorry, I'm just not paying for another TV station. Um, but they're, they're going on, and keep an eye on them. I, like I mentioned earlier, there are some – the bubble's soft right now, but it can harden up in a hurry. You've got to be careful, and you've got you to be rooting for no upsets. You know, the, the thing that makes March so great not, is not only the tournament itself, but the tournaments that lead up to it, and all of a sudden a team that was 13 and 17 wins their tournament, and they're celebrating. Nobody can believe it, and we're all doing – Stories about it, and uh, or or there's a there's a team like that Syracuse team that had no chance of making it and went to six overtimes, you know, and everybody gets excited. But if you're a Florida fan or a Texas fan <laughs> or a Alabama fan or an Ohio State fan or a Seton Hall fan who's sitting there at sixteen and twelve, you're rooting for the the best teams in the conference to win their tournaments. You don't want Cinderella. Cinderella will break a lot of slippers because uh, of the way it's set up. So, anyway, I covered everything. Everything I wanted to cover anyway. I appreciate everybody for clicking on. Uh, Not too many of these left until I go under the knife. Um, So, uh, obviously, it's still about, about a month. 
but I'm looking forward to them and looking forward to being back and and talking to you guys and uh, shoot me an email. You know, I got it. I got one e- uh, uh, several emails about things you'd like me to talk about. Some of them I have, some of them I haven't. One of them was about the women's basketball. Why? Florida can't get good in women's basketball, and that's a question I haven't gotten answered yet because I don't I don't really know the total answer. I know some of it has to do with AAU teams that are, you know, I, I don't want to get into too much of it because some of it I I don't know the answer to. Let's just leave it at that. I just know I, in my opinion, women's basketball is at a low point. Not maybe not the lowest. There was a Carolyn Peck year; it was lower, or maybe just as low, but. It's bad, and there's not a sign of it getting better, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I may explore that. I may explore it at some point. But um, but anyway, yeah, shoot me your ideas. You've got something you want me to talk about. Um, you know, Rob, I may get Robbie on next week. We may talk about it. we got to go to practice. Practice is until the evening. I may get Robbie on. We'll talk about what we're looking for. If not, we'll get some people on to talk about some spring football over the next few weeks and college basketball because the NCAA tournament favorite my it is my favorite like college football is my favorite sport college the NCAA tournament is my favorite event in all sports probably go NCAA tournament masters and they're both right around the same time it's still the greatest few days of my life well that probably is an overreach getting married having children those those were the best. Um, playing Augusta was was probably in there, but the one week where I went to Indianapolis, covered the NCAA tournament, covered Florida in the Final Four, covered Florida get into the national championship game. Got up the next day, went and interviewed Billy Donovan in the sleet. Wrote wrote all day. Wrote wrote some more the next morning. Got on a plane, flew to Atlanta, drove to Augusta, and covered the Masters. That wasn't a bad week, okay? That's going to do it. I've bragged enough about myself. Appreciate everybody for listening in. I am Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I'm out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.